Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. Now, you may be wondering by the title of this episode why we're talking about alcohol and sobriety here in December. And it's because there's this thing called Dry January that happens every year where people take off from drinking or abstain from drinking for the month of January. Hence it being dry, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing, more popular, somewhat of a fad, maybe, but at least my awareness of it over the past two, three, five years, somewhere in there, has grown. And I can't help but think that part of the surge of this month-long event in January is the over-excess of drinking in December under the guise of celebration. But you don't have to imbibe in the spirits during Christmas to get into the Christmas spirit, and in fact, The effects of drinking on your productivity and overall well-being and all aspects of productivity is what we're talking about in this conversation. And I knew the perfect guest to join me would be Jillian Teets from Sober Powered Media. In this conversation, we're going to talk about Jillian's personal journey with alcohol moderation and the impact on her productivity and self-confidence. We're going to talk about how she created Sober Powered Media a podcast dedicated to providing information and support for those considering sobriety. We're going to talk about the physiological and psychological effects of alcohol, combining Jillian's background in biochemistry with her personal experience, the importance of self-awareness and seeking guidance for those struggling with alcohol moderation or abstinence, and how to do dry January if you're going to be choosing to do so depending upon where you are with your relationship to alcohol. So I'm just going to get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Jillian Teets. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome Jillian Teets to the show. Jillian, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. I've kind of been lurking, stalk- stalking is not the great Well, let, Let's just forget I even said that. And leave that in. Don't edit. (laughs) 
I've been following, I've been lurking, watching what you've been doing and the great work you've been doing. And I knew that as we were coming to the end of this year and I started to get the hint of the topic of this thing that people have been calling dry January, January over January for, I don't know, I've been aware of it for now four or five years or so, something like, I know it was pre-pandemic, but I thought to myself, well, there's no one I'd rather talk to about this topic and how it relates to productivity than Jillian over at Sober Powered. So let's just do a deep dive real quick. Can you share a little bit about your journey and creating Sober Powered and why you did that? And then we'll start to break down into how this and why this applies to productivity. Yeah, so I cannot drink alcohol. I'll start there. If I drink alcohol, I will slowly give up my entire life until it's just alcohol being the number one priority. So I can't drink it. I just celebrated four years of sobriety about a month ago. So that was exciting. And my whole issue when I was drinking is I really believed what the stigma says about people like me. I thought that I was weak, that I was a loser, that it was a choice, that something was wrong with me. And I fought very hard to control my drinking and to learn how to moderate. And I just could not figure it out. And I used to beat myself up so badly for not being able to control my drinking. And when I finally accepted that I had to get sober, I just wanted to know, like, why me? Because I see other people in my life drinking heavily. Like me and my husband would, we'd call it partying, but it would just be like us drinking. And he could drink and then switch to water and then have a full life. And I just couldn't do that for some reason. And I wanted to understand why me. And I was working as a biochemist at the time. So I knew how to find and understand this kind of information. And I just started researching it as a personal project. And it was really helping me with my shame. All of the things that I thought were like my fault, like the middle of the night anxiety that I would have after I got too drunk or the extreme depression and self-hatred, all of these things and the racing heart, I looked them up and I learned, oh, that wasn't me. That was just alcohol affecting me this way. And it really helped me with my shame and it helped me let go of feeling like it was my fault and there was something wrong with me. And then one day when I was eight months sober, I woke up and I was like, everybody needs to know this. And I started thinking, how can everybody know this information? And I thought I could start a YouTube channel. And then I was like, well, that's really scary. I don't want to be on camera. I could write a blog. And then I was like, do people read blogs? And then I thought I could start a podcast. And I didn't know how to do that. But that seemed like something more accessible because I didn't have to be on camera. And then I just like Zoom called myself and recorded it and launched it the same day. Like I had no platform or anything. I just like randomly. I'm very impulsive. Us drinkers, we can be impulsive. So I just did it. And learning about it helps, like learning why this can happen and why some people are more protected from it happening. It's just very validating. 
Now, a couple of different questions pop to mind suddenly. So I'm thinking if you just celebrated four years of sobriety and congratulations. Thank you. That was pre-pandemic. And so your eight months would have been during the thick of like early-ish lockdown when a lot of other people's direction with drinking was going the other way, mine included, which then I was able to move away from, luckily. I'm curious, did you notice other people doing it more? Did that play in in any way into your moment there of deciding I've just got to do this and I've got to share this? How did that shape your perception of it at that point in time? Yeah, so it was a pandemic project because I was a lab worker. And I remember when we had to go home, they told us like I was responsible for maintaining cells and doing things with cells. And they said like, okay, kill all your cells, put everything in the freezer and we'll be back in two weeks. It's not going to be a thing. And I couldn't bring cells home with me. So I didn't have very much to do. And that was why I started a podcast because I had time. But I did notice a lot of things become very focused on alcohol. We had a lot of happy hours. Like they sent wine to our houses for like a wine tasting thing. The memes were everywhere. I knew that it was a major issue for a lot of people. But I would say that I thought no one was going to listen to it. When I put my show out, so I wasn't really thinking about grabbing those people. I just thought like no one's ever going to listen to this anyways. So no plan, really. Yeah, no plan. It was really just an impulse thing. And that's great, though, because like you didn't you didn't stop to think like, in other words, it's not like a lot of the you and I both know this from podcasting circles. It's not the standard like. Oh, you've got to have a key demographic and you've got to go after them and you've got to, you know, all the different, I could go into a bunch of different things I could say, but I'm not going to do podcasting best practices right now. But in a way, that's really good. That's a great way to start because you didn't hesitate. You went with a gut feeling and, and really went with it and have been doing it then this whole time. And it's grown exponentially, really. And you've made a lot of great connections. I think the other cool thing for me to kind of observe is your background in biochemistry really helped you in terms of understanding the physiological as well as psychological effects of alcohol as well as alcohol abstinence. In other words, what alcohol does to your body, but not just your body, but then your emotions and your mind and all of that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I'm very passionate about that. I think something a lot of us don't realize is that if you drink a lot of alcohol over an extended period of time, it changes your brain. The brain is adaptable. It's neuroplasticity. The brain adapts to your environment and it can adapt in positive ways or it can adapt in negative ways, like with alcohol. And alcohol will change the brain to make it more rewarding and to build out more cues to tell you to drink. It messes with your emotional center to make you even more emotional and more reactive. So now you're having bigger emotions and you don't know what to do with them. So you've learned that drinking takes them away. So it's really interesting the way that it affects the brain. It can also cause or worsen anxiety. So I never had anxiety before, but I developed it while I was drinking. And I thought that that was just like a me problem. 
And I really believe that. And we never blame alcohol. Also, whatever emotion you're struggling with, like if you're tempted to drink because of anger or you're tempted to drink because of anxiety or stress or loneliness, it makes that go away just because it turns down your brain and makes it not work as well. When the alcohol wears off, now that same emotion is even more intense and you're triggered even more than you were before to drink. And what I noticed in sobriety, I had a lot of anger before I started drinking. And when I drank, my anger magically went away. And I didn't realize it was from the drinking. But when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden I had a ton of anger and rage, like a lot. And emotions will actually become more heightened in the first like 90 or so days because the brain is trying to heal and recalibrate. So you have all these very intense emotions and you don't have any coping skills for them. So it's very difficult once you're in that loop to get out of it and to learn how to cope with things and give yourself enough time to have your emotions stabilize. Now my emotions are stable. This is not all bad. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, and, and so I guess let's, let's inch into a little bit here. One of the things I brought up earlier was this concept of January, which I mean, honestly, it's almost kind of counterculture in a way, you know, this, and I know this, that I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee, one of the other kind of acceptable social drugs that are out there with very different effects than alcohol, although some of them are similar, probably physiologically in some ways, dependence and other things like that. But dry January, everybody's like, yeah, let's, let's start the year off right after we just overdid it during December. And that's not really the right way to do it. Plus you're saying, and I know there's so much more depth than my surface level that I'm talking about this. And I encourage people one to jump over to deeper dive into stuff that you're talking about and doing. We'll link up to all that in the show notes, a 30 day fasting or abstinence from alcohol at all is it's good as a starting point, maybe, but it's, it's like a fad diet. In other words, it's like an up and down. It's not really fixing anything. Speak to that a little bit. Like I know you probably get questions about it too all the time. It's like you're dealing with people who have more of a scenario like you and less of a scenario like me where I don't remember the last time I had a drink and it wasn't a choice. It wasn't like I'm done. I cut it off. It was more I tapered off and then kind of just didn't remember it. That's not my physiological chemical makeup for you. It's a different story. And you have a lot more people that are like you in your audience than people like me, I think. But I think we all benefit from working together to be healthy. So anyway, that's a lot of different mishmash of things to talk about. But like, let me just blanket it all by saying, what's your impression or take on dry January? Dry January has pros and cons. The pros are you don't drink for 30 days, so you're healthier. Another pro, you learn about your drinking. And all of these things that maybe you thought were you, you discover weren't. Like the extra anxiety that I had when I was drinking, I thought that was a me problem. Well, I stopped waking up at 3 a.m. with massive anxiety when I took my first break from drinking. Isn't that interesting? So you start to see the cause and effect. And you learn more about what alcohol actually does. You have experiences. You will socialize or go out or do something. You'll have an emotional trigger. 
and not drink at those things. And then you'll learn like, oh, I can actually like get through stuff or, oh, I had a good time and I didn't need a drink. Those are all the pros. They're great. Oh, and the last pro is you'll never forget what you learned in the 30 days. The cons of dry Jan are a lot of people do a countdown to when they can drink again. So they focus on February 1st when they can destroy themselves with alcohol to reward themselves or have a little treat for doing such a good job. And when you're focused on the end goal of drinking again, you miss a lot of the positives of not drinking. Another con is while 30 days is great and that if you're someone like me, feels like a really long time. What happens in the first 30 days are you have a lot of physical benefits. Your body begins to heal. Like you'll see less acid reflux. You hopefully will get a little bit better sleep. Physical things, your liver starts to heal. But it takes around 60 plus days for your brain to start to heal. So if you blast yourself on February 1st, you're not allowing cognitive benefits to happen. And that is really important so that you can look at your drinking and see it for what it is. I noticed that my anxiety went away and the extreme self-hatred and depression, but I couldn't really connect it strongly until I was about 60 days in and my brain started working again. If you're not drinking to the level that a big problem drinker was, then maybe you'll have this benefit sooner, but it lags behind the physical benefits. The brain takes a little bit longer to heal. So if you do dry jan, I would say just keep an open mind and don't say like, okay, February 1st, like let's go putting it on the calendar. We're going out. I would say maybe check in and get curious. Like, do you want to go for longer? Do you want to see how long you could go and make it a challenge? And my last con is for people maybe more on my team who can't do 30 days. You just can't do it. And you drink after like four days and then you feel like a huge loser and a failure. I would say that that's good information to have if you can't do 30 days. It's really good. And you can always try again. You don't have to do like perfect dry January. Not drinking for four days is better than what you were doing before, probably. So, I mean, that's a win. So there's good and bad. I think it puts a lot of pressure on people sometimes. And we can focus on drinking again in February. But either way, you'll never forget what you learned during the experience. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. 
In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It almost seems to me like, depending upon where you find yourself in, you know, which camp or even spectrum of drinking, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of a month that has now become more socially acceptable to switch and take a break and have less people, you know, have problems, you know, like, what do you mean you're not like, it's almost like we've come this way with smoking, for example, where it used to be everybody was. And now it's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, uh, to a certain extent, the social acceptability of it, in other words, and the public acceptability and the celebration of it and all of that have changed a bit attitudes and thoughts. And so it almost makes sense to even if you find yourself on the lower end or I don't know what the appropriate terms, I mean, you probably no, know right. if you find yourself on that end of the spectrum where, you know what? No, I could do 30 days and it's socially acceptable. Why not do it? Let's just do it and see how it feels. And, you know, again, you're not at 60, but I hope most people can do 30 and then do 60 and then do 90 and then do whatever and not have it matter. That's where I find myself. And I feel like I am better for that. And I really appreciate that because I know that is not how it was in 2020. And I think like 21 and 22, way less so. And now it's, I guess it's 20, it's almost not 23 anymore. We're almost to 24. And so anyways, so coming at it from a productivity angle, I'm saying you're not operating your best if you're not being you and then being you at your best, which I think you've probably had some great experience with throughout your now four year journey. I mean, short term and long term, can you kind of show like what's your productivity journey been during that four years? I think I'm a really good example of this because I used my career and my educational background to justify why drinking wasn't negatively impacting my life. And I got my master's degree while I was drinking every day. I even graduated early with a very high GPA. So all of these reasons are like, I can still be productive. I can still get my schoolwork done and excel. Like I don't have to quit drinking. I have a job that people think is cool, but I was doing like the absolute bare minimum all the time. I was just hanging on and surviving. And I would spend so much time both recovering from my drinking and then thinking about my drinking, like a lot of time. And I would think like, how do I moderate? Why am I such a loser? Why did I drink so much last night? Why do I always do this? I would Google like moderation strategies. That takes a lot of time when I could be doing anything else. And when you drink a lot, you can't be consistent with anything. You can do stuff maybe at the bare minimum and sometimes put in more effort, but you can't be working hard consistently when you're drinking. Now that I don't drink, I've done like everything. I have so much more confidence in myself that when I have an idea for a goal, before I would be like, yeah, right, like there's no way. And now I'm like, why not me? 
I don't see any reason why this wouldn't work out. And then I just do it. I have a consistent sleep schedule now and that helps. But as far as accomplishments, I mean, I work like a million hours a week (laughs) before I couldn't do that. I was able to achieve a lifelong dream of being a professor. That was something that like little 18 year old Jill, that was the ultimate dream. And I never thought that I would be able to do it. And then I finally achieved that goal a year ago and I started a business and people actually listen to my podcast and I started a network. Like there's all these cool things that you can do, but you can do anything you want consistently and you can evaluate what you like to do. I used to be really into fitness and I would force myself to go to the gym at 530 partly as more justification for why drinking wasn't negatively impacting my life. But in sobriety, now I can evaluate what my priorities are and what I actually want to spend my time doing. So if you want to be more productive and have more success, like you should just not drink because there's no positive. There's literally no positive to it at all. Yeah, I would say it's only a temporary, and I'm going to use this as air quotes, benefit if you can be someone like me where you could have one or two on one night and then that's it. And you have control and you do have a choice and you can then stop. You're not struggling the next morning. In other words, I mean, it has the immediate physiological effect that like most people joke about it. Right. But again, it's not a long-term benefit. Actually, and I, I will say this, even me with my, where I am on the spectrum of it, in 2020, come it wasn't early. It was like that summer. So we're talking like May, June, when it's like clear that, okay, this is a thing. Like that a two week thing. It's not a two week thing. And it didn't hit that it was more than a two week thing right after two weeks. It was more like, what was it? So like March, so April, May. So yeah, probably around when it was warmer out and it was May somewhere in there. And it was just like, well, I guess I'm just going to go out in the backyard and have a drink tonight. And then another one. And then I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And then I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And then that just keeps happening. And it's like still functioning, probably air quotes on the functioning there as well. But it's like, I see a pattern happening. And so it was kind of an up and a down, like ebb and flow of kind of excess and then pulling back and excess and pulling back, which is probably a lot of people's stories that are listening to this, not just at that time, but in general. Yeah, the toughest spot to be is when you're drinking is not that bad. When you have some level of control, maybe you can moderate sometimes, other times you can't, or you can skip days so you're not a daily drinker. That is the toughest spot to be. Obviously, the people that have more significant problems have very high levels of misery and suffering, and it makes their lives very challenging. But Because their suffering is so extreme, it helps them get out of it. The people that are in the middle of the spectrum where they keep saying it's not that bad and it doesn't impact their life a ton, or so it seems, they can stay stuck there forever, like actually forever. And I'm always trying to think about those guys and like, how do we get them to realize like, it might not be that bad, like compared to the alcoholic living under the bridge. But it's still not good. Like just because it's not the worst drinking doesn't mean that it's helping your life 
or that it's not holding you back from things. I think that we, we get so used to operating at a very low baseline wellness that it feels normal and it feels like it's perfectly acceptable. But if you take a break and you see how good you could actually feel, it's like, wow, now I feel this good. What could I do with all of this health and good mental health and confidence and self-esteem? Yeah, I think that's the thing for me was I just recognized like I don't like how I am and my mind isn't clear. My emotions feel murky. My energy levels are all over the place. I feel like I'm, you know, I was again reaching for the coffee to counteract the alcohol and just the mental health wasn't there. The time wasn't, you know, it was a time suck physical health. Gosh, that was the summer of adding like what? 20 to 30 extra pounds just from, from drinking. I mean, that or that alone right there is enough for some people to like really like turn them around, so to speak. And all of these things like sleep for a lot of people, the effect of it makes you feel drowsy and they feel like, Oh, I'm just going to have a, you know, a nightcap and then I will sleep better. It's the opposite. And you know this from your biochemistry. And I know this because it's like, it's raising your heart rate, not dropping it like you should right before bed. And it's, uh, and so it's never been a productivity in the same way that like excess of coffee and caffeine don't really help your productivity. Like if you can go without that too, like I've gone, I've gone a year without coffee or caffeine. And it's been a while. And I did realize recently that's something I personally need to do. Uh, in fact, since I already don't really feel like I need to do a dry January, I'm going to do a decaf January. That's probably the best way to put it, right? I'm going to do that. I should probably do with these. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think there's people out there thinking you're crazy, but you know what? Like, I think it could do me a lot of good. And actually, here's one of the other things I was going to bring up earlier was this is that time of year where we find ourselves to be more busy. I'm speaking, you know, the month before January, December, we're doing a lot of celebrating and also we're very, you know, air quotes, busy. And so we feel like we can justify more alcohol as well as more coffee, especially with those special Starbucks drinks around this time of year. And so I think I'm having a realization on air right now. I'm calling it out. I'm going to do decaf January. And so we'll see how that goes. So the point I was getting at, sorry, I am an audible processor. I think out loud. And so there you go. I think we're getting along great here. I think what that means, and I think what it meant to me when I was bringing up dry January earlier was, you know what? If you can because we're all different, but if you can start to wean off in moderation, if possible, prior to the time where you're going to, okay, the line in the sand, now there's none, try it. What's your take on that in both those instances, the caffeine as well as the alcohol? The caffeine, definitely, because I think if you just quit it, a lot of people really suffer in the beginning. If you go from a ton to none. So like me right now, I'm just trying to have one less coffee a day and start there. For the alcohol, for safety, some people do have to taper. And if you can't do it on your own, you got to talk to your doctor and get some medical help doing it. But I think a lot of us, we see a challenge coming in our future. So we want to go even harder right before. And that's going to make the beginning of the challenge very difficult for you. So I think if you do have the ability, I mean, that week is tough. The week right before, that's like dull week. 
that you blast yourself with food and alcohol, like Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. And I know damp January is also a trend. I think that was new last year. And that's where you like moderate the whole month. I think it's up to everybody, but I think it's better to just really commit to not drinking at all because that's where you're going to learn something from it. For me, I couldn't reduce. So if you can't reduce at all, it's really good that you know that. It's all like a learning experience, learning about your drinking, what you can and can't do. It's not about morality. It's just about information. Yeah, it's kind of a take the pulse, have self-awareness kind of a moment. That's why I wanted to call this out publicly this time of year. I mean, as this is releasing, I mean, we're talking about this right as December is starting. And I thought the time to make the decisions about this isn't in the thick of it. It's a little bit ahead of time when you aren't in the thick of it, when you have some breathing room, some wiggle room, some margin. And so that's why I wanted to release this around the time that I am, because it gives people that time to say, hey, one, they brought that up Two, where am I and what has my journey been? Reflect on that. Take some time to do that. But then also take some considerations as to what you want to do with the information here and stories here that we're, we're talking about. And I guess that's, that's kind of where I want to land this is we've already kind of given some options for this time of year, which is great. And it, it can be something that people can come back to, you know, each year as a kind of a, a moment of reflection or a, an evergreen. Let's talk marketing, evergreen piece of content. But aside from that, it's really a great moment to. Again, this, I think, is one of the good things I don't particularly adhere to or support, unless you want to, New Year's resolutions. But this is one that I think is worthwhile because of the seasonality of it. Like you said, Christmas to New Year's. And then, again, dry January. I'd never heard of damp January. What is that? Is that like, oh, you moderate? Like, it's kind of like... So it's unlike drowning January, I guess? Is that the the alternative? I don't know. I mean, damp January is the dream, right? If I could do that, like I'd be all over it. I think if you, if you have to call it a thing, like if you have to say that you're doing damp January, you should probably do dry January. Yeah. Because people that can do damp January just do it and they move on with their lives and they don't think about it. So I always go by that rule. If you think about it a lot, there's a reason. Yeah, actually, that's a great other point that I wanted to make was there are people who they're stumbling upon this podcast episode as a regular listener. Others are probably discovering it randomly. Welcome, all of you. But my thought is, is that if you're thinking about it often enough, then there's probably some more. There's additional thinking and research. And and again, we'll go to the self-awareness that you need to do in this area. If for the first time you're hearing this and you're like, this doesn't really apply to me, I'm very happy for you and move on to a different episode for sure here at the end of this one. I hope you're already gone from this one. I know, right? But all that said, I just thought this is a timely piece of information slash conversation or self-awareness check. I'm going to throw it in there one more time for rule of thirds. And I think it can really help people. All that said... We've given a lot of conversation and information here. Do you have any maybe specific pieces of guidance or on your work over at Sober Powered that you'd want to direct people to if they want to dive a little bit deeper? 
if they're already thinking about this a lot, you're already thinking about it a lot for them and a very great guide for them in this regard. I want to aim people over at you so that you can get them the help they need when they're in this kind of question and answer mode. Thank you. As someone that desperately tried to moderate, I have a lot of episodes about why we can't change the way that we drink. So if you're wondering about that or if you could ever be cured, I explain that. I also explain the benefits that you can expect when you quit drinking and what things happen faster, which ones lag behind. So I would just scroll my episode catalog. I've been doing it for years and I've probably covered like basically every single topic. So it's probably there in the catalog. And so probably the best place to go for everybody would be soberpowered.com where they can find yes. your show and everything else that you're doing. And you're also very active on Instagram, which is the primary place that I follow you. And in fact, that's a lot of where you grew your, your audience from. I've even heard you do a talk all about growing your podcast through Instagram. I think people could Google that too and find it. So yeah, I loved that talk. I love dissecting how things work, like how the stupid algorithm over there works. And that can be addicting on its own and ruin your self-esteem. So yeah, Instagram love-hate relationship, mostly hate. There's a whole other topic we could jump off from here yeah. onto, which would be whatever the dry January version of social media would be. Done that actually before too. Took the whole of December off doing no social media. This was years ago though. You must have been so productive, healthy to not be on your phone all the time. I deleted everything off of it. Like it was just, it was, I was going to take camera pictures and I had texting and phone, like the actual phone app, <laughs> like the dock was what had it. it was settings, phone, camera and texting. And then the whole rest of the top of it was like blank. And I just said, no, I'm just go without. So this was years ago. I should do it again. I think I can moderate it. It's my <laughs> justification. <laughs> anyway. Oh, gosh. See, I know. I know we could totally talk social media for, for hours on end, but we're not going to do that. All that to say, Jillian, it's been great talking with you, and I can't wait to drop this episode and have everybody dive in a little bit deeper here and honestly, hopefully and happily have a great, healthy-er December and January and 2024. So thank you so much for being here and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Jillian. I know that I did. It was great talking with her. She will definitely be back on the show. And I just want to direct you to thinking about what your relationship with alcohol is, not just right now, but also into the new year. If you're like me, you may have had a certain relationship with it in the past. That may have changed pre and during pandemic. Now that we are coming to 2024 and it's about to be four years since lockdown started, it may be time for you to reassess your relationship once again. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. And I would invite you and encourage you, in fact, to go check out Sober Powered Media. You can find the link to that over in the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Make sure to check out all the great stuff that Jillian is doing. And if you know of someone who needs to hear this conversation, they're thinking about doing Dry January, or they're struggling in some spectrum of this issue, let them know that you were thinking about them and their struggle. Share this episode with them. Just hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice. Let them know you were thinking of them. 
do them that favor, do me that favor. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.